Welcome to I'd Tap That, the show where we talk beer and music. On today's episode, we'll be talking about intellectual property and drinking a vanilla porter from Breckenridge Brewery. Lately, we've seen an influx of copyright claims and discussions of intellectual property theft in the music industry, with very vocal opinions on either side of the aisle. With major cases being decided, like Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines and Katy Perry's Dark Horse, and more coming up, Discussions around intellectual property, or IP, and music seems to be heating up. But there tends to be much misunderstanding about how and why people sue, and the major implications for the music industry as IP lawsuits become more frequent. First, let's talk about the beer. This is the Vanilla Porter from Breckenridge Brewery. If you've been a frequent watcher of this channel, or my Instagram or Untapped, you'll probably be shocked about something other than a sour appearing. Despite my seeming preference towards sours, I promise I do like other beers. However, porters tend to not always be a top choice. I find that a lot of the time, porters and stouts can be too heavy and syrupy for me. I grabbed this one though, because I love vanilla and I'm a huge fan of Breckenridge's agave wheat, which was one of the first beers to get me really excited about craft beer. This porter has a 3.77 on untapped and has a 5.4% ABV and a 16 IBU. It's one of Breckenridge's mainline, so it's available year-round. Their description of it is, real vanilla beans from Madagascar, combined with caramel and Munich malts, creates beer that's balanced and flavorful. Aromas of vanilla and toasted grain set the stage for mellow flavors of vanilla and dark roasted malts. Don't let its deep mahogany color fool you. Vanilla Porter is dark in color and packed with flavor, yet it is as smooth as they come and easy to enjoy at any time of the year. Let's see if they're right. I really like it. Um, hmm. Honestly, I think that's my favorite porter I've ever had. Um, Breckenridge is just really solid. Um, if you're in Colorado and haven't checked them out, you definitely should. Um, and they're pretty widely available. Um, the first time I ever had them was in West Virginia and I'm able to get them at the Food Lion in North Carolina. So I think look for them definitely. Hmm. I think for me it's like a 4.5 out of 5. So now let's talk music. First, let's get started with clearing up what the rules and laws surrounding intellectual property actually are. In order to not make this video boring or immensely long though, I'm just going to do a quick overview of some of those things as it pertains to the issue. If you want to know more either about the topic in general or about its relation to specific cases, I'll have resources uh, linked below in the description box. I'll start off though by explaining what copyright and intellectual property and some of these other terms that you probably hear actually are, as well as a few other terms that are popping up in these cases and why they're important. So first up, we're just going to go ahead and read the definitions. Intellectual property. A work or invention that is the result of creativity, such as a manuscript or design, to which one has rights and for which one may apply for a patent, copyright, trademark, etc. So 
So in music, you're not going to really have, well, in these issues that we're talking about, you're probably not going to be worried about patents or trademarks. So let's describe exactly what a copyright is. A copyright is a collection of rights that automatically vest to someone who creates an original work of authorship, whether that's a literary work, a song, a movie, software, whatever. These rights include the right to reproduce the work, to prepare the derivative works, to distribute copies, and to perform and display the work publicly. So now that we've got those figured out, what exactly is intellectual property theft, which is at the heart of all of these cases? Intellectual property theft involves robbing people or companies of their ideas, inventions, and creative expressions, as which can include everything from trade secrets and proprietary products to parts to movies and music and software. Okay, so now that we've gotten that part sorted out, what are, what are the exact definitions of what these people are being accused of doing? Copying, um, interpolation without crediting, etc. So copying is making a similar or identical version of reproducing, imitating the style of behavior which is going to be very important, that definition, when we talk about the Robin Thicke case a little later on. Interpolation, which you've maybe heard um, because it's Lizzo has been accused lately of interpolating without giving credit. So interpolation refers to using a melody or portions of a melody, um, often with modified lyrics, from a previously recorded song but re-recording the melody instead of sampling it. Sampling, you know, very common. Interpolation is a little less well-known. So now that we've got that sorted out, let's talk a little more about the issue. So often on the internet, when I see people talking about these issues, they kind of act like they don't really actually matter. So let's talk about why they do matter. Protecting artists from intellectual property theft matters, whether you like it or not. In several instances, both related to music and not, I've seen people attempting to justify using other people's work for profit without properly compensating them. Whether it be arguments of, so-and-so gave that person publicity, or you didn't invent such-and-such, such, or this company is making things available at my price point. The fact of the matter is, stealing is wrong. You wouldn't like it if someone came into your house and stole your TV. Why is it different to you when an artist doesn't want someone to steal their creations? Even though things like a look, a design, a logo, a lyric, a song, etc. may not be tangible to you, someone created them and they deserve to get paid and to get credit for that. So let's do a quick recap of some of the big cases that have been in the news lately. Like we mentioned, there was Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines. If you're not familiar with the case, Robin Thicke lost. Um, he was sued by Marvin Gaye's estate who claimed that he stole the feel and sound of Marvin Gaye. 
Um, another big case that just happened was Katy Perry's case on Dark Horse. Um, again, Katy Perry lost. Uh, they claimed that Katy Perry stole a popular Christian rapper's beats. Another big one that's getting talked about a lot right now is Lizzo's Truth Hurts. This one hasn't gone to court yet, so we don't have an outcome. Um, but there's been a dispute over both the lyric authorship um, in terms of there are two men claiming that they wrote the lyrics, Lizzo claiming they didn't. And then the other issue that I've seen pertaining to Truth Hurts is uh, someone claiming that the yaya e in the song is uncredited interpol interpolation. Um, another big case is that hasn't gone to court yet, so we'll see what the outcome is, is Little Nas X has been accused multiple times of illegally sampling things. Um, and then in a slightly different realm of cases, um, we've had Ariana Grande suing Forever 21 over copying her image. Um, that one's TBD as well. And then one that I'm going to be following really closely, um, not sure what's going on with it right now, also TBD, is um, Nirvana LLC suing Marc Jacobs over using the Nirvana Happy Face logo on Marc Jacobs' clothing. So if you're wondering why these cases are gaining so much traction, the simple answer is because they're winning. As mentioned in both the Robin Thicke case and the Katy Perry case, IP cases are becoming more frequent because the group suing has been winning. And one great explanation of specifically the allegations against Lizzo, Jem Aswad, the senior music editor at Variety, said all that this kind of lawsuit generally means right now is that you've got a hit on your hands. But these cases are also becoming more frequent because the internet allows for greater connectedness. And you've probably heard the, there are only so many chords argument. If we break that down a little bit, artists are becoming more exposed to other artists. So while musicians are now more able to find new influences, other artists are eas more easily able to find people who have maybe been illegally interpolating, sampling, or copying. As an example, Fiona a Apple was able to call out Lil Nas X for using one of her songs without permission in true Fiona Apple style. So what do these cases mean for the music industry? Like as Wad pointed out, right now these suits tend to be only affecting musicians and companies with major hits and bank accounts. But as these suits tend to be decided in favor of those doing the suing, these cases will likely increase in popularity as it becomes increasingly lucrative for people to sue. This trend could prove dangerous to creatives. If new musicians need to worry about being sued frivolously for being influenced by older musicians, and, or artists have to worry about major companies stealing their defining symbols and then losing in court, the incentive to become an artist is going to greatly decrease for people who don't have major bank accounts. The other major issue in these cases is circling around public opinion, in that it's much more difficult for a jury to be unbiased. 
In a case, you have jury selection, where potential jurors can be nixed by each counsel if they're believed to have an unfair bias against a client and therefore unable to render a just decision. This process is challenging and incredibly lucrative due to the skills required at the best of times, and in cases where both the plaintiff and defendant are unknown to the jury. How then, in a case like Marvin Gaye versus Robin Thicke, is a jury supposed to render an unbiased decision when arguably most jury-aged Americans know and have opinions on both sides? In that case in particular, I find that the general biases of Americans about each artist lined up with the verdict. Marvin Gaye is an incredibly beloved musician, with Robin Thicke being perceived as misogynistic and promoting rape culture. Completely ignoring the facts of the case itself, it would be unsurprising that a jury would find in favor of Gaye. Indeed, I find that same idea of public opinion could be argued in the Katy Perry case. However, in the Lizzo accusations, I feel that public opinion could do the opposite. Lizzo is currently perceived to be a rags to riches story and a champion of everyone. So if public opinion is playing a part in these cases, it would be hard to imagine a jury deciding against her. The big question is, how should these issues be handled if you are trying to avoid a lawsuit? And I think that there are a few approaches. One option is fairly obvious, which is to simply give writing credit to other musicians if you are heavily inspired by a song, after asking them, obviously. So this option was chosen by Taylor Swift for her song, Look What You Made Me Do. The chorus in that song followed the same rhythmic pattern as I'm Too Sexy by Right, right Said Fred, which was the interpolation that we talked about earlier. Swift's team, though, before the song came out, approached the group, got permission, and then gave a writing credit. No lawsuit needed. Another option is to just not care. Um, this was seen when people began noticing a similarity between Bachman Turner Overdrive's You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet and The Who's Baba O'Reilly. Pete Townsend was quoted as saying, the funniest thing is that in Canada this year, I met with Randy Bachman, who told me that he not only copied Baba O'Reilly's for You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, but he even called his band after us. Why would I not be happy about this kind of tribute? Obviously, this is not something that every musician can do. The Who are obviously a very uh, financially successful band. And if you're a much smaller artist who's been ripped off by a much bigger artist, obviously it doesn't make sense for you to avoid a lawsuit. But this is one way of dealing with it. Currently, I don't think these IP cases are going to be the death of the music industry. But I do think it's going to change it. I think we're going to see a lot more artists following in Swift's footsteps and just preemptively giving songwriting credits to artists that they were inspired by. While I can understand being frustrated about losing money to people who didn't write your song, if you've been heavily inspired by another artist, it's just the fair and safe thing to do. 
Let me know your thoughts on all these copyright and intellectual property issues in the comments below. Have a good week, guys.